Hey guys, uh, I'm going to tell you to jump ahead to the time code. It should be about one hour and two minutes into this behemoth, if you want to skip the off topic. Um, you know, but if you don't, we talk about things, you know, Kawa got hurt, so that's, that's cool. And welcome to the very 106th episode of WT Thada, the big one, zero, six. I'm Kayla Kennedy, joined by my co-hosts. Ron, Big, <laughs> and Ryan Elves. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, we yep, can't, yep. Uh, we can't, we can't lose. We're, we're just, this is a fine... Finely oiled machine. But <laughs> yeah. fine dining podcast. Yeah, gotta keep it a little spontaneous, you know, keep everybody on their toes. You have to try. You have to. Um, so, uh, what, what's everybody been up to? What, what, what's your week's been like? Anything good? Well, my no injury streak is broken. Ah, uh, what did you do? I got bit today. You got Eric. God damn it. He's got to <laughs> calm down. It's like my macaroni and cheese is soapy. I'm mad. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Not the fun kind of biting. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. What happened to you? I got bit by a human child. Ugh. <laughs> uh. God damn it. And spit on repeatedly. I think I still have spit in my hair. I don't know. It feels a little, a little wet. Yes. God damn it. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, oh shit, yeah. 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 For those at home, it, it looks like Kay was back. missing. The only way those... they're going to learn. <laughs> only natural those... consequences. For those who are just listening to the podcast, I want you to know what that looks like. It basically is like there's a chunk missing out of Kayla's bicep, uh, which is <laughs> disturbing, but not bleeding that much, though. Just right. Figure you're missing a chunk. Yeah, of no stitches. Because... That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, we didn't break skin. And then I showed my boss. She's like, Kayla, see this area right here? That's broken skin. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, no bleeding. No bleeding. Did break skin. No bleeding. Wasn't too bad. I've had worse. I, I think you've seen the scar on my arm. Actually, just probably about four inches north of that. Mm. Have you seen sure. it before? Remember. That's the defensive arm, then. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, you can't, I don't know if you can see that mark right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it goes... In a U, oh sorry, wrong way. It goes in a U that way. We'll show you when we're all in person. But I have yeah. um, teeth, individual teeth marks. Jesus That's a scar. Christ. That's a scar from like seven years ago. That was the first time I got bit, and the last time until today. I broke a seven-year bite-free streak. <laughs> so seven-day injury-free streak. <laughs> Seven-day injury, free streak. A seven-year bite, free streak. Yeah. I feel your pain. I feel your pain. I get bit by people at grocery stores all the time. 
I mean, they just really want their produce and they want it fucking now. What the hell? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Well, I mean, the kid had a really rough transition into the center today and it was his first day of school. Routine changes are really, really difficult for him. He also went from getting like four hours of service a week to 14 and a half because his case finally got stacked. So it's like his second week, his second like full week in his first day of school is just all too much for him, you know? And uh, this is what happens when you work with new therapists who don't know what they're doing and they don't pay attention during the ABM training. And when we tell them this is really important and they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they don't do it. Then I get bit because a two person carry requires two people to both be doing their job not just one of them so yeah and it's funny because that's the first question my boss asked me when I was like hey I need an incident report just so you know I got bit and she goes (laughs) what's my fault I didn't bite me why did you put your arm in that kid's mouth (laughs) what is wrong with you she was like, did you do the backwards carry? And I go, yeah, yeah. And she goes, so let me ask you this. Is the reason that you got bit because somebody else wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing? And I went, Maybe. yep. <laughs> so, yep, yep. Cool, cool, cool. Okay, awesome. They, they got to get you one of those suits uh, that they use for the, they train the police dogs with. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm here to... Uh, help you out with your therapy. Everything. I mean, it's been it a really long crying. time. <laughs> it's been it's been about three years since I've worked with uh, aggressive children. Uh-huh. Um, I used to have a really severely aggressive population. Like I'm talking like six person holds. You know, like six people holding down one person. Right. Um, you know, and restraints and stuff. And we don't really do that here. We do some escorts, but we don't do any restraints and uh I'll give it to the therapist yeah she wasn't doing what she was supposed to be doing but she is brand new on the case and emotionally she handled it really well like she wasn't really flustered she wasn't whatever she also she wasn't just... fit right I mean like <laughs> <She also> wasn't <laughs> how did you the do other side of the room, just like <laughs> sipping a cup of coffee Kayla you're doing just, like, great I'm really? handling this really well <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I didn't, like, I, I, like, recognized that he bit me, and I was like, oh, that kind of hurts, and then, uh, we moved on, you know, because I still have to deal with behavior, I can't stop, and be like, oh my god, I got a bit, let me go take care of this right now, like, no, yeah. he's still, you know, being super aggressive, so we had to calm him down, he calmed down, eventually got him, he was fine for the rest of the session, and it ended up being a, a productive session, but, like, I was just, like, it wasn't until after, and then I had a supervision session right after that. So I like had stopped doing what I was doing to handle, help handle that situation. So, thing, so it wasn't until an hour and a half later that I even pulled my sleeve up to see, oh, maybe I should, ch-. I was like, oh, that's right. I think I got bit. Let me check to see if there's any damage. Oh, he really did bite me. Fuck. Yeah. I had to fill out like nailed. paperwork. And then I just wanted some goddamn mac and cheese. <sighs> <laughs> and that didn't happen off air we found out that Kawa got contaminated mac and cheese it had anthrax in it which is just like what the hell 
know, thought this, thought that shit was long gone, dead and buried, but no. Oh my God, do you remember when we all used to be so afraid of opening the mail because there was supposed to be anthrax inside? That was a thing. That was a thing. I don't remember ever being afraid of opening the mail because of anthrax. <laughs> I was always like, hey, maybe I'll die. Come on, come Yay! on, do funny, do funny. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I mean, it's not anthrax, it'll be COVID. If it's not COVID, who knows? It might just be a bolt of lightning that's looking for you one day. It'll be a those bolt of lightning. Clowns. <laughs> a clown that could happen. That, yeah. Remember that was a thing. Was that was that twenty nineteen? Yeah, yeah. It was weird. It happened. It happened essentially. If I remember right, there's been outbreaks of clown stuff. But what's weird about it is, uh, <laughs> what's weird about it is it's normally not connected to something in pop culture, which is strange. So you would think like. There would be more clowns after the movie it came out right but there's actually like a big uh rash of clown sightings like two years before it came out so it happens for seemingly no reason or a couple years before the dark knight came out there's a bunch of clown sightings and it's like has anyone checked to see the cycle is it running on a common cycle is it like every 12 years or every seven years or something has anyone checked this no one i don't think anyone's checked this i think you probably should i'm really worried about it you are you do you have like a clown thing um i don't really have a clown thing i don't like clowns i don't necessarily (laughs) like find them all that funny i think i as a kid was like oh there's a lot of clowns in one car that's a funny trope and then (laughs) there's the one time right like clown jokes are all the same clown jokes there's no like new clown jokes you know I don't really find them all that funny or entertaining even um but I'm not like I don't see like regular clown I could see like a regular clown and be fine I could see clowns in a movie and be fine creepy clowns like when you go to the haunted houses and stuff though no can't do those ones Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. (laughs) I mean I can't do most anything in a haunted house but like Clowns are up there on the list of, of actors I will punch if they come near me. Because, <laughs> like, I could see somebody in, like, vampire makeup, werewolf makeup, all that SFX stuff, like, aliens, ghosts, like, all that stuff I see in a haunted house. I'm like, oh, dude, your makeup's on point. If a clown's coming at me in a haunted house, he's getting a dick punch. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, um, punch them, too, yeah. right in the... You get a... You, you you throw that punch and you just hear like the whip whip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's actually a fascinating documentary on Hulu. I would recommend to people called Wrinkles the Clown, uh, which is basically <clears throat> started as like a scary urban legend, uh, but then Wrinkles the Clown actually started giving uh, his card to parents. And parents would then be able to call Wrinkles the Clown to notify him of their misbehaving child. And he would talk to the misbehaving child and scare the fucking shit out of them. And it was basically, you know, it was essentially child abuse where, like, these kids were terrified of Wrinkles the Clown coming to get them. But there's a documentary about it. It's super interesting uh, and horrible. It's all those things. <laughs> I like that. And it happened in Florida. Program. 
It happened well, not, in Florida. That doesn't surprise yeah. me at all. No, it seems accurate, doesn't it? How many um, how many headlines do you read where you're like, that's crazy, and then there's like, oh, in Florida, and you're like, oh, okay. Suddenly less like crazy. The, the <laughs> only state that doesn't listen to WT Fada. The only state. <laughs> the only one. No Florida listenership. Yeah. <laughs> They must be crazy. (laughs) They must be crazy, (laughs) right? (laughs) Listen, if we are worried about offending our our listeners, then I don't think we're targeting the right listeners. Because I think if they're listening to our podcast and they're not already offended, then we're good. (laughs) They should just be offended that we're allowed to have a podcast. No one stopped us yet. You know, I think... They just don't realize they too can have a podcast and they're just like mad, like... Who's just giving away podcasts to these people? <laughs> How do I sign up for a podcast? Yeah. Yeah. What Somebody give me a podcast. Yeah. Um, Ryan, oh, yeah, what have you... Uh, no. No. Not anytime you get bit by someone in a non-consenting way. No. Not a great day. Doesn't work. Yeah, Ryan, have you been bit recently? Um... No, one of my cats kind of does like that nibbling thing. If you like scratch their tongue, but it's just like a nibbly yeah. affection thing. But uh, yeah, no bites, but I uh, I have been on kind of a productive kick for the past like week or so, just like making... Um, I think my Christmas comic, I just finished up designs and an outline for that. And I just like figured out a, a storyline that'll be, I think, pretty interesting. And we'll keep it from being like too Christmassy while also having it kind of lurking in the background. But uh, yeah, I'm almost done with like the first batch of inks on our thing. And then I got to do some digital fun wizardry with that. But uh, yeah, I've just been on a, kind of like pencil kick where I'm just lining up the next couple projects that I'm working on and trying to get the foundations done so I can just kind of line them up and knock them down. But uh, pretty much the same thing I've been doing for the last year or so, you know, just I got to do a little more of it last week than I have in the past few months for whatever reason. Cool, cool. Maybe you can join our Christmas, our new Christmas tradition. Oh my God, we've been around enough that it's almost time for it to be an actual tradition when it happens two times instead of just the one time. Oh, what's the Christmas tradition? Carrying it over from what's the story? Yeah. I also have like Christmas cards and stuff I send out to everybody. So you guys should send me your addresses so you can get some inappropriate Christmas cards. That's right. Everybody should. Everybody. The post for this episode on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. put your address out there uh, and your full name, social security number, you know, credit card numbers, all that stuff. And Ryan will send you a card. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the small fee of your entire life. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what's no the worries. tradition? Okay, um, around oh, here. so on what's the story, you know, the, the sister show, the sister pod, little, or is it really a sister or is a baby? It was so small. <laughs> little thing, little thing. Uh, the cousin show, you know. The fetus show. 
anyway, amongst the story, we, uh, it was Ron's idea. He wanted to get back to the heart of what Christmas was truly about and tell ghost stories for Christmas. So we gave ourselves, I think we gave us, I think it was supposed to be a week, but we actually ended up doing it in like 48 hours because procrastination is what I'm good at. (laughs) uh so he was like hey yeah we're gonna um write ghost story a christmas ghost story and do you know repeat them on the pod like show them share them on the pod so that's what we did and ron wrote this super awesome story about a christmas tree Mm -hmm. that got shit went real sideways yeah Uh, but it had a really cool twist Mm -hmm. but it was gory (laughs) Yeah. yeah and um and then I wrote my first short story ever. And uh, I wrote a, a Christmas ghost story. Yeah. That was about Michael Miller. I was trying to remember the bitch. first name. I remembered Miller. I couldn't remember the first name. Thank yeah, you. no, that was fun. I like short stories a lot. So I'd be happy bringing those in here. I mean, like this show is pretty much story analysis anyways. So. It's just another facet of that where we get to kind of put up or shut up, you know? We're not just sitting here being like, we could do this so much better. These guys are fucking idiots. Like, no, 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 we'll show you. We'll show you. Anybody interested in checking out those stories, uh, there's actually an online version of them, which I think is, oh boy, it's been a while since I looked. I think it's a I'll find out. I'll find out. And I'll, I'll, I'll update you with where you can find it online. Hey, it's future Ron here to let you know that the URL that you are seeking is what's the story podcast dot blogspot dot com. You can go there and you can check out uh, the work that Kayla and I uh, made for what's the story. Um, I think it's everything, but I might need to do, like, a quick double check. If it's not, I'll post the rest, too. But if you just want to listen to it, uh, just look up What's the Story, uh, pod. Uh, the episode is Christmas Spirits. Um, so, yeah, that'll be pretty cool. I've got some uh, spirits over there, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was... The crossbeards just shut the door, I hope. <laughs> they heard us talking about them. them. They're like, "We're here!" I saw a shadow figure behind Ryan, just real fast. Yeah, you see me get pulled out of the frame. There's cool. like, there's been stories That'd be cool like for that. us, not for you. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's, I'm open cool. to the experience, you know. <laughs> there was a story like that where somebody like accidentally witnessed like a like a murder or something on like a video chat this is like full-on like some dude in black came in and just bam and the person that they were talking to was like done and it was like jesus christ they didn't realize that they like left a living witness on the other side of the fucking computer it was like whoa kind of a good uh good prompt for a story actually yeah yeah Interesting. Good prompt for a Christmas story. Oh, that's right. It was Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus exactly. came and bam, naughty. Oh. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Damn. Um, yeah. I, um, <laughs> I've been doing some penciling, not as much as I would like to, on our story. And I've also been reading a manuscript from a certain writer. Uh, and it's very, very good. I've been enjoying it a lot. John can tell one hell of a story. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you just listening, Kay was flipping me off. Um, no, actually, no. Kay, just scratch Kay, my eyebrow uh, here. Nothing over here. <laughs> uh, is uh, having me like be the beta reader for her book, for and everything. I'm enjoying. It. <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying. It. Uh, okay. I'm finding things here and there that I think might be able to like help a little bit. I feel like I'm like actively engaged with it so that's exactly what i'm looking for because the only other person that i've actually really shared it with is just like it's great it's great and i'm like i love you so much and that's awesome but that's not going to help or make me a better writer yeah or make the piece better as a whole the closer i get to that last page the more i want to change everything (laughs) so i'm like don't go back and edit no editing so my goal is to be completely finished with the first draft and like have it printed and a thing, like a tangible object mm-hmm. by this weekend when I see you guys. That's yes. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I'm, have, I'm gonna get that first volume. That first volume is gonna be all edited. So I'll be able to throw it at you and be like, yeah, fucking fix it. You know. Fix it now. Um, I also, I did finish, I made final edits on my poetry manuscript. Nice. So that, I printed, it's done, I'm not touching it ever again. That's good. <laughs> Maybe That's not good. ever again, but I'm not touching it for a while. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta start figuring out how that's gonna play out. And then also, <clears throat> at Ryan's suggestion, um, I'm taking my three short stories and I'm going to do like an illustration each for them. And they're going to be put together in a little collection that I'm going to call Doomed Tales of the American Male. Um, Love it. Which I'm pretty excited about. Yeah. Which, um, which three short stories? It's going to be uh, Monsters, um, mm-hmm. Have Not, mm-hmm. and... Uh, the cabin that one that also originated on uh what's the story mm-hmm, was for mm-hmm. a scary story around halloween um so i remember reading i know the cabin crap. one i can picture it vim- i can picture it vividly i can picture the end pretty vividly actually mm-hmm. uh very visual story mm-hmm. um monsters is the one on the highway in the woods mm-hmm. and the, okay yep. And have not, I'm remembering reading it because I remember the way you spelt it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I keep thinking of your <clears throat> screenplay. No, oh, that was Dead Claves. That's what that was called. Yeah, that's Dead Claves. Um, uh, so, have not. Oh, wait, not... is that the, the one where we had the discussion about the half spoon? Yes, yes. Gotcha. I'm caught yeah. up. Cool. Yeah. 
so basically the premise of that is just some dude is like out at like a work function around Christmas time. They're all having dinner and in the middle of dinner, he's like, well, I think I'm fucking done with this shit. And he just leaves. And then it's just sort of like, you know, following along with this sort <laughs> of like uh, kind of Holden Caulfield, the um, main character that is sort of reflecting on the state of his life and how he got there uh, while continuing to kind of make the same mistakes. You don't realize it at the time, but at the end of the story during like the denouement, you realize, oh, like this guy is literally just fucking up his own life, you know? Um, yeah. So I'm excited about it. <clears throat> I hadn't thought about doing it that way. And uh, when you suggested it, I was like, you know what? That's a that's a solid move. It's they're ready made. Yeah. They're just sitting there, so it's like. And if one it. is a Christmas comic, uh, <clears throat> I'm really pushing to kind of like have Mutant Snowman Ate My Neighborhood done by like Holly Halloween. So if you wanted mm -hmm. to put like a snippet or something for like a preview, like oh, yeah. our companion publisher. Uh, WT Fada Network is putting this book out. Mm. You yes. know, some cross-pollination there, if you like. That's what this whole fucking thing is about. It's like one part story analysis and, you know, a couple of yucks and one part just a super cynical way to get everybody to look at all of our shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gaming the system. I mean, that's that's all making stuff is, you know, like... Otherwise, you're just a tree falling in the woods with no one to hear it. Does does a tree that falls in the woods make a sound? Though? Who knows? But if no one's there to hear it, it must so, so I remember hearing about this. I was firmly in the category of yes, it does still make a sound until <laughs> I heard a professor made a comment once about how sound waves only work if there's an eardrum to receive them because that's what sound actually is. It's just waves in the air. It doesn't turn into sound until like it hits your eardrum. Your eardrum is what makes sound. Yeah, I mean, I guess sound is relative, which is- So, and I was thought. like, and that blew my mind. And I was like, cause it's just waves and then your eardrum vibrates and the vibration yeah, is what we consider to be sound. Yeah. Fuck. And I was like... Hardcore. Hardcore <laughs> <laughs> shit. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty intense. And I was like, Fuck. but if there's animals in the woods that have working eardrums, yeah, they well, would hear it. There'd be sound. So the look, argument yeah, is but, that yeah, it produces sound waves, but whether anything actually transforms it from wave to recognizable sound would be the argument. Well, that, that's what's weird is because it starts getting into that whole thing of like, <clears throat> like your vision, <clears throat> your vision is based off of light bouncing off of things and then being received by your eyes. So it's like, if you're it's like it gets hard to tell what actually is real and what's not at a certain point 
it's like the the buddhist thing about like the world being like some hallucination you know it's not quite actually you know a real thing like it's some type of strange simulation or something it's like you need a brain in order to actually for any of this to be real a brain has to process all of this for it to be real <laughs> so it's like what is real <laughs> i mean if you go like even deeper into that it's like okay somebody who's deaf mm -hmm. yeah he doesn't have working eardrums or well i mean probably sound... the only people that would like to listen to this show what? Well, I mean, just be happy. <laughs> I can hear things. It's thing not good stuff, but it's... <laughs> you can you can feel sound and not hear it. You know, like Fair. sound, like, sound uh, can still exist without being heard. Like Mozart. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, Beethoven. like thunder. Because it's, it's just or, it's just know. vibrations at different levels, right? Yeah. Like moving through the molecules in the air. So, I mean, I guess you'd have to get in order for that question to make sense. You'd have to get technical about what you're considering your definition <laughs> of sound to be. And again, if you don't have a brain, you can't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're dead, the world no. isn't even real. <laughs> Well, if you're dead, isn't sound what's like decaying you? Or, you know, those vibrations of just like the static or like electricity little, in the air? Yeah, um, it's causing little like micro damage to your skin and stuff. Yeah, like whatever energy runs the universe, be it gravity <sighs> or whatever, like. Is well, that I think that also sound? has like the natural processes in your body, like the chemicals breaking down has a lot to do with your body decay as well. Yeah. Like blood pumping prevents other chemical processes yeah. from doing stuff. So like if your blood just stopped, that's like my biggest thing about like vampire stories where they're like blood doesn't pump anymore. And it's like their body would decay, which is why they also show like when they have to drink blood to stop their body from decaying, like to stop the chemical processes from and that's also like magic and shit you know but <laughs> this is like a sneak preview of an upcoming episode that nails the vampire genre I'm so excited <laughs> for it uh... oh shit <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, that'll be interesting yeah um, this is a weird off topic I feel like this is like one of the one of the stranger ones where it's like I don't even know what happens we just kind of went off in like well, a bunch of different I, crazy directions. I just I I listened it. back to some of the earlier episodes and stuff, and that's kind of what the off topic was just like there's some weird, crazy, really off topic shit, you know? Yeah, just like all over the place. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, does anybody have anything else they want to talk about? Yeah, no. No. <laughs> No, we got so. more DC fandom coming up in October. Oh like, yeah, yeah. New crazy trailer fucking for awesome. and fucking yeah. Black Adam and all that stuff. I am excited about that. Um, yeah. The but... last DC fandom was fucking crazy. So I'm super excited for this one. Um yeah. other than that, I mean it's been a slow week. It's been kind of uh I've been a little bit bored. <clears throat> RIP to uh was it er Ernest? Who who died? Sal? 
Oh yeah, Ed Asner. Ed Asner died. Ed Asner, oh. that's so sad. Yeah, R.I.P. to him. Um, Up was such the beginning. Up was such an amazing movie in general, but the first fucking ten minutes of Up is just honestly animation gold. Yeah, yeah, one of the one of by far the best uh, Pixar movies. Um, that's how you. That's how you tell a story. Yeah. They they hooked you in right immediately and broke your heart very quickly. So fucking quickly, but it's such a a complete like story in and of itself. Like that could stand alone as a short, you know. And yeah, that's a that's the next fun Pixar short that they're putting in front of Cars Four. It's <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? Why did they make this? <laughs> crying. I mean, yeah. <laughs> It's a good bit of storytelling because you're like, oh, I'm 20 minutes into this hour and a half long movie. Like, what happens next? Weeping. Like, yeah. I'm so sad. Like this, this movie sucks. It should have just, it should have just cut to his gravestone and then <laughs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck! God damn it! Oh Jesus! Oh no! Yeah. Yeah. Um. I used that sitting alone for years. Oh my god! I can't. <laughs> my heart hurts. You ever see the dog in Futurama? Oh yeah, yeah. Bad. That's bad. Like the seasons changing. <laughs> god, the fucking that's the the hardest episode of TV I think I've ever seen. Oh, it's so upsetting. I cried yeah. like a baby the first time I saw it. I st- I actively avoid that episode. If I'm like, oh, I watch Futurama, <laughs> and it starts to be that episode, I'm like, fuck you guys, I'm out. Bye. Not so fast. Won't do it. Won't yeah, do but it. I, I used that. I did a project for, I did um, one of my capstones classes. Um, is that what we called them? I think so. Um, in psychology and film, mm-hmm. which was honestly such a fascinating class. And um, yeah, it's, I used the example of how Disney, specifically Pixar, used color to control the audience's emotions in films or to elicit certain emotion in film. And um, I used a couple of different examples, but my main example was how Up uses it um, to elicit certain emotions from the audience. And it just like, it was a whole research project I did and and I, I kept it. I have it somewhere because I just, it was so much fun delving into that and so interesting. Yeah, but yeah Ed Edner, he's voiced quite a few really like special and amazing characters. And yeah, that's really sad. Yeah. He, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, as time goes by and we lose more and more of, uh, these kind of like legends it's kind of a um, it's sobering because you start to think about people that have meant a lot to you that you know it's like <clears throat> there's gonna come a time when they disappear you know when that's it i i the first one that ever like the the one that got me bad was robin williams so i was like holy fucking shit like didn't see mm-hmm. it coming he wasn't like an old older guy I, it just, all of a sudden, I was at work. Somebody was like, oh my God, did you hear about Robin Williams? And I was like, he's doing another movie? 
No. Aladdin 2? Yeah, yeah, I was all excited. And then uh, they told me what happened. I was just like, Jesus Christ. It's tough too, because when we mourn the loss of someone in the public eye, you know, when we mourn it, we're mourning, you know, because we know, oh, that what they could have done, like the potential for their future entertainment, future projects, future art is missing. And you can feel that loss. But I always struggle with a piece of people who are like so broken up about it. And you're like, you didn't know them. And yeah. like how hard, how hard that must be for the families and close friends of the people who are actually like really mourning the person that they knew. And it, it took a long time for me to, I forget who was that had said something to me or what specific advice that, but they put it in a light and a perspective that was like, got me to understand that the person that the, the person they knew as far as family and friends and the person we know are two different people. And so we can mourn in two different ways and it's still okay for us to mourn the loss of somebody that we didn't know because of the effect that they had on society well, and like there are a couple of there are a couple of figures where i was like i've been like oh, that really that really sucks like i um i'm sad but you know whatever like gene wilder was a big one for me even though he was he was up there in age you know wasn't yeah. any sort of surprise but that that one was kind of hard for me because i always cut in the back of my brain i wanted to hoped that I could meet him one day, you know? Mm. But um, it wasn't until I think the public figure that made me the most emotional, like actually emotional, uh, was Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of um, added sort of weight on her loss too, you know, yeah. given what it, what it meant, you know, yeah. But I think um, when Betty White finally goes, that, that right there is the end of the world. Another Titan. Yeah. No, it's scary. It really is. Steve Irwin, when he went. Yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah. That's so weird, too. Yeah, and like, they thought that he would have survived if he hadn't pulled the, the, the barb out. Because he had, like, the barb from the stingray, like, stuck in his chest. And his, like, your initial instinct is, like, well, that doesn't belong there. But he pulled it out and basically, like, popped the cork on himself. And he bled out super fast. You know? yeah. yeah. They say to do, like, typically, like, if, you, if you're in a car accident or if you're in some sort of accident, you, or you've been impaled by something, depending on, like, where it is, you're... They also you do not touch it until the ambulance arrives because they will be able to determine whether it should fucking stay until they're ready or whether yeah. it needs to come out immediately. And I think more, if I remember correctly, more times than not, you're supposed to leave it in. Yeah. I think I there are some situations in which you would need to take it out, but I think you, to the untrained eye, you're not gonna know yeah. which one's which. No, I think uh, when I think about celebrity deaths, it's always like these are the people that you chose to like invite into your home, mm, you know, good, over yeah. and over and over again. And it's like, that's when that's when it hurts, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, celebrity deaths are kind of a mixed bag because like, you know, I, I feel. Oops. 
We lost you, Ryan. Uh, I, yeah, I more. Oh, am I here yet? Am I here? Yeah, you're oh. there. You're there. Hello? We got you now. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, the weird thing about like celebrity deaths is like they're celebrities. Yeah, so they're generally this or in this class of like extremely wealthy people and you know not without their flaws and baggage and stuff like that but um yeah no it's just it's a it's a strange it's a strange thing to to have this like public mourning for you know these artists who like made an impact but still you know grapple with like even making space for say like the half a million people we've lost over the last year to like COVID and stuff. Mm -hmm. And not to mention the people we've lost to like police brutality or to like medical negligence inside the prison system or inside the healthcare system or just where wherever our defects lie. And uh, you know, as like on a human level, I want to feel bad about these millionaires dying, but like, it's only really like the good ones that end up like giving something back that are like, all right, that's, that, that's a loss that is more meaningful than, you know, their art that like extends beyond accessing even something as widely accessible as like a movie or something, just like, I think it's like the the um, <clears throat> I think it's the abstract nature of like those other considerations that it's it's hard to like police brutality. You have faces and names that like come to mind that you can like immediately identify. So that's a little bit easier. <laughs> Half a million people from COVID deaths, or even the you know the prison population it's hard to it's hard to like quantify that it's like it's just it's like numbers and it's it's too big well, yeah. you know no, there's no face applied to any of that stuff you know well, it's like uh what's that thing about um like a, like a over a certain number becomes like a statistic you know what i mean like a like so it's it's this weird kind of thing where it's like a limitation of our brain to be able to like <laughs> yeah. actually comprehend that stuff, you know. Learning capacity or something. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's this is strange. Like I I just I vilify Hollywood in my brain so hard. And it's such a good and just good person to be on a movie podcast. <laughs> 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 Fucking nailed it. I mean, I'm just that's that's what I'm coming in with. You know, I'm just like these people are cannibals and they are, you know, thieves and you know, they work for probably the worst industry or most harmful industry right behind maybe like the active government, like in this country. And uh, you know, I don't trust them. So it's just like Listen, no matter the impact of like their art. I can't wait. So to... I'm a famous actress and Ron's a famous director. We're working on projects together and we're like, 
trust us now? And you're like, yeah, I'm not. Oh, take yeah. another you guys are making big budget like James take, Cameron movies. No way. I'll be in like gonna a take shed. another bite of baby leg and ask you how you <laughs> yeah. like Hollywood now. You know, freaking <laughs> fucking stem cells or whatever. Hell yeah. yeah. I mean, and I'll be. You gotta. Shed you have to. You have to be able to weigh the good with the bad. Okay, like Tom Hanks, he eats babies, but but Toy Story. You know, it's like, you know, you don't, you can't throw the proverbial baby out with the, with the bathwater, you know, it's just the way it is. That, that one you can. What? Well, if you threw the baby I'll out, eat. you wouldn't be yeah. able to eat it. So. <laughs> That's I, I, Tom Hanks being like, hey, I was going to eat that. <laughs> Arm of baby. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I, I love like also your... I think of the hurricane that's ripping through like New Orleans or whatever right now and just how fucking slow I know the fucking government is going to probably act to like help everybody down there as they always have and it's like dude very real honest tragedies like the hurricane like the way that we pulled out of Afghanistan without <laughs> really any fucking shit's given it seems like it was like oh fucking good luck you know this is the table sheet you know? trick or the the tabletop <laughs> the blanket trick with all the glass yeah. on it's like check it yeah. out but just like everything came Biden out just, <laughs> just glass flying all over the room yeah no i mean i i I think it's easier to be like, wow, Ed Asner died than it is to falsify <laughs> all of this shit. You know what I mean? It's just easier. Yeah. That's where, like, that's where it starts. I'm like, wow, this guy died. I really like that movie. But you know what? Hollywood and like this guy produced it. And like maybe this movie is like getting funded by these people. And like, oh, these other people have died. Oh my God. And like before I know it, I've like spiraled out of control. And I end up landing on just like, I need to draw a page of comics that's just somebody like pulling their face off or something. And I'll feel better. Well, it's funny because like I feel like that's what that's what's uncomfortable about this show and what has been uncomfortable about this show <laughs> since it started, right? It's like me and John, it was 2019 when we both were like, we want to fucking do something like, you know, like try to do something that isn't just being stuck in a day job, you know? So we started doing this and very early on we get like COVID big thing but we're still gonna sit there and talk about fucking fake realities and then it's like george floyd becomes like a big flashpoint for you know police brutality and kind of like the waking up of all of that stuff and like we talked about it on the show but also we still continue to talk about fake realities and then it's like the election you know uh, you know the the attack on the capitol building the you know countless mass shootings, the, the continuing COVID nineteen, the this, the that, the pulling out of Afghanistan. It's all this different stuff, and it's very difficult to sincerely do a podcast <laughs> where we're just kind of fucking around. You know, I feel like we've done a good job of putting the blinders on so that we can stay focused on shit that don't matter, you know? And I feel like that's a victory, you know? I saw, I saw a everybody perfect representation. Sorry, go yeah. ahead, Ryan. I was just going to say everybody knows the world burning. So. Yeah. I saw a perfect representation of, like, what it's like to be in the education field the other day. It was, like, 
like, oh, first, how was your first day back at school? And I was like, oh, no students yet. We start students tomorrow, but we've been in meetings all week. And he's like, oh, about what? I'm like, oh, meetings about can't, you know, with questions like, can I leave the door open to provide better ventilation so me and my students don't die of COVID? And it's like, no, you have to keep it closed because of all the school shootings. Okay, cool. <laughs> so that's what it's like to be in the education system right now. Welcome to the end of the empire. Mm. That's what it feels like. I did. On a more positive note, I just remembered something we did over the weekend. I took Eric flying. <laughs> I feel like oh, we're going on a real dark path. God. <laughs> you, like, Ryan weird. just like came into this show and he just sucked the air out of it. And Kay was like trying to re-blow up the balloon. We, <laughs> We went in a plane. You know? I did go on a plane though. Fuck! <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> this off topic. Remember, I said it was weird twenty minutes ago. Yeah, right. Jesus. Holy fucking shit! Cut all this. The hell happened? That's so great with the transitions. When it's been a long day, I'm literally just like, okay. So we're gonna, and I have to do that a lot at work too. Like I'll be like, we're not talking about this anymore. I have one client in particular that likes to talk about death and only asks questions about death. And whenever you ask him to start a conversation with a peer, he goes, the first thing he ever said to me when I met him was, how many people do you know that have died? <laughs> like what? <laughs> and then his therapist goes, it's not an appropriate question. And he goes, okay, okay. How would you like to die? How many staff members have you known that have died? <laughs> I was like, here? Fucking great. And he's like, what about at your other jobs? Does anyone die at any of your other jobs? I'm like, why are this, we talking about this? This is just like a, like a, this is just me in the past. It's just 100%. This is me now. Just a, <laughs> absolutely haunted yeah. by the whole thought process Sorry, but yeah. we have a lot but of kids how that, was like, the sky the sky was great it was so <laughs> much fun and we um, didn't die did, and we flew did away eric, from all our problems <clears throat> did eric you, do like, some like sick I, barrel rolls yeah were you in like um, a tiny did plane? A steel i think they called it a steel turn which is like a turn so you're you're turned sideways enough and you're you're like doing a loop or whatever it's enough for you to feel 2g Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Good thing it wasn't five um, G. Yeah, yeah, you could have gotten COVID. <laughs> no, no, no. We flew above the COVID. Oh, we you could actually high, see too high for COVID. Uh, yeah, it was. Were you able bad. to see the edge of the the Earth? No. <laughs> Wait, you could see the ice ring. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So I didn't tell him about it. It was for his birthday last week. He knew we were doing something, but I didn't tell him what. So we drove to Nashua Airport, and he was like, we get on the highway. He's like, oh, I guess we're going to Nashua. I was like, oh, I guess we are. And then we pulled into the airport, and he's like, are we, like, going on a plane to get somewhere? Like, I have to be back by four. Like, because <laughs> he did like, monster You're not coming trucks. back, bitch. Get on the plane. <laughs> he did monster trucks with his nephews that night. But I was like, uh, yeah, we're going to get in a plane. And uh, we're going to, he's like, are, you, are, are we flying a plane? I was like, I'm not flying a plane. Like, am I, am I flying a plane? He's like, I was like, yeah. He goes, is this legal? 
<laughs> and you said, does that matter? Yeah, these are the wrong questions. Irrelevant. Yeah, it was pretty cool. They do like this 30 minute thingamajig where they like show you the ropes, the gauges, whatever. You check the plane and then you get in and he literally flew the plane, like took off and everything. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's just you guys in the plane? Me, Eric, and the flight instructor. Okay. I thought they were just like, here's the book. You got five minutes. Oh, God, no. We would have died. Take a hike. You would have been on the podcast this week instead of me coming on in the off topic. You'd have been like, we have really sad news, everybody. Not only did Ed Asner die, but half a million people from COVID. (laughs) (laughs) Unnamed numbers of prisoners. (laughs) At the very last minute of the off topic. Oh, yeah, Caleb went on this crazy flight yesterday it was for her boyfriend's birthday she had a great time but she died when she tried to land <laughs> and now word from our sponsors <laughs> this week's episode is brought to you by parachutes if you don't have one get one yeah, uh, yeah. yeah but we so he took off we flew around in the air a little bit we did a steel turn for fun you know it was a quick like 45 minute flight and then uh he was like he I was just naturally good at everything so he was doing an amazing job as usual yeah. and uh so the guy was like oh do you want to try and land which apparently kind of depends like if they're doing a good job he'll offer them to like land he's I mean he's right there like anything goes wrong he can immediately take control you know and and yeah. thing so he offered it and Eric's like nah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you handle that but go maybe, maybe next time maybe next time <laughs> god damn uh-huh. yeah well that must be so cool. if you're, you're feeling down yeah. about you know the millions of people dying and like racism and shit you know <laughs> like life's got you down I mean, I almost went skydiving, but yeah, I almost went skydiving like a few months ago, but the the weight cutoff is like two, I think 220 or 230, and I weigh like 235. Oh, really? And it's just like, I didn't think it would be that low. Yeah, right? I was just like really like that's as much as like that's the limit for you the you know the people you take up what happens you go you travel to the earth too fast what the fuck are they talking about i, I think it's it must be like what i'm imagining <laughs> is just like the change in fucking g's or whatever when the chute gets pulled and maybe the straps only have a certain weight capacity for mm. the you know whatever things that are holding you on to the other person <laughs> But, yeah. God damn. Yeah, maybe you know I'll fast for a couple of weeks and throw myself out of a plane. But well, I'm yeah. sure there are some places that it might just be like that place too that can only their equipment can only handle. Because yeah. I'm sure in the world somewhere other people past two thirty have gone skydiving. Yeah. Right. Better have. Do indoor skydiving. Yeah. It's like all the sensation, but instead of like having actually, you're just in a tube. <laughs> get one of those and just get shot out of like a barn or something. Like <laughs> you get yeah, to have I... the feeling of not only the way that skydivers feel, but also the way that the pneumatic tubes that banks. Well, <laughs> how your check yeah, feels. You get, 
he gets shot up with a parachute on, it's kind of like skydiving minus throwing yourself out of a plane. Yeah, and you wouldn't have to worry about so much of like the I think the jerking motion that would yeah, cause. I wouldn't have to strap myself right? to somebody. Yeah, if you, you jump off of a cliff, a, if you <laughs> jump off of a cliff with the parachute open, right? So you let the parachute catch the wind, and then you yeah. just swing out on it. You're they not have, expressing the thing, have, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a thing, which is horrifying to me, but. One of these days, if I get desperate enough. Tell you <laughs> well, my I just favorite figured... prank. Sorry, you can go. I was going to say, I just figured it would be a good idea for us to learn how to fly a plane because one of two things is going to happen in the next 10 years. Either the COVID is going to turn most of the population into zombies and we're going to have to make a quick getaway, or America's going to have a civil war and we're going to have to make a quick getaway. So, you know, <laughs> we got to make a quick getaway. Yeah, we should know where the airport is. That's a, that's a lead. And now Eric knows how to take off, so. Mm-hmm. He knows how to do everything but land. <laughs> you can figure that out. Figure that out. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like he's a natural, so. Water soft. They, you go in those little prop planes, you can go four hours before you have to refuel. So, like, we're definitely within four hours of the ocean. Yeah, or Canada, at least, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, sorry, go ahead, before Ryan. we. Before we end the off topic, I just want to say what my favorite prank ever was, okay? It has to do with these type of extreme sport things. Uh, This person was on the edge of a bridge, and they were going to be bungee jumping off of the thing. And they were all strapped in. Everything was good. And they they did, like, the count. Three, two, one. And the person went to launch off the thing. And as they were launching, like, past the point of no return, their friend went, no, shit, shit. <laughs> and you just heard them go, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and it was both the funniest and most horrible prank you could ever play on somebody because for 10 or 15 seconds, that person thought they were toast. Like, oh, no, <laughs> Their lights actually flash before their eyes. Here's the thing about that, though. (laughs) Here's the thing about that, though, right? One, fucking hilarious. Okay. But two, when you consider the fact that most people who, like, fall off a plane or uh, fall fall off a building or fall, most of the people who, it is not hitting the ground that usually kills them. Most people usually die of a heart attack before they ever reach the ground. (laughs) They just kill their friends. It's like, <laughs> dude, it was a prank. Wake up! I was kidding. It was a prank. Oh, that was hilarious. No, if, yeah. I was, if I was like a skydiving instructor, I would be that guy, just like, "Where's the strap? Where's the strap?" And just like, you know, somebody pack, pack a couple of fake rip cords so you just pull it out and be like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh no. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try to land in that, that soft spot of mud over there. Or just keep, like, a, a compartment in your backpack full of, like, silver, silverware or whatever. Like, in the cartoons, you, like, it just... play, yeah. <laughs> plates and forks and knives and shit just going to fly in God damn it. Uh... Like that Who Framed Roger Rabbit thing. Uh, I got a exactly. spare shoot. I got a spare. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh fuck. All right. 
we should end it. Kayla, anyway. are, you're 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 not joining us for the topic. I am not. Sorry, fellas. <clears throat> All right. It's a well, good say one. bye to everybody. You haven't watched. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Yeah, Ryan's got a vote. Did you hear that? No. What? what? Say it again, Ryan. She didn't hear you. If you, if you didn't if you didn't see the movie, you should watch. It's really beautiful, actually. Beautiful. Like, okay. Eric also said that he wanted to see it and then he would watch it with me. So I've just been at, I've just had a really busy week full of, you know, getting bit and shit. And I guess uh, so I haven't been able so to watch. I just didn't have the chance to watch it. And then I'm going to do some writing because I got to finish my book by Friday. The way this, yeah. this movie is built will help. It's like a really nice unfold. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm psyched. I'm talking about this movie right now. Awesome. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, Kayla, if you can't find it like in the theater, I it's bought on Vudu, so you just have to go on my Vudu account and you'll be able to catch it there. Cool, cool. Right. Keep mooching off, yeah. All right, guys. Here's a word from our sponsor. It's me, <laughs> Ryan. What mm -hmm. the fuck are we talking about? Pig. The movie, not the animal, right? Yes. Yes. Pig. We're talking about pig. Talking about pig. pig. All right. Filled with all caps, starring Nicolas Cage. Mm -hmm. I don't know who the director guy is, or lady, or person. He is but... brand new. Um, I think this is his first like feature film. Um. His name is Michael Sarnowski uh, from a story written by himself and Vanessa Block. Uh, it also starts, it, oh, sorry. <laughs> it also stars uh, Alex Wolf as Amir, Adam Arkin, son of Alan Arkin as Darius, um, and Nina Belfort as Charlotte. It's kind of like the first. Uh, first couple of names that I see come up um yeah I saw this three or four weeks ago and I was very taken with it and then I wanted to show you guys uh so we got a little taste of this in the off topic but Ryan what are your thoughts on pig um I really enjoyed it I like really, really enjoyed it. Um, it had all the like trappings in the trailer anyway to like lead me to believe that this was gonna be just another like Nick Cage revenge film where like something gets taken, there's a bloodbath, he gets his thing back, mm -hmm. and you know it's artfully done or whatever because this you know i kind of put with the aesthetic of like the the green knight or like the art house mm -hmm. vibe and um and despite not really ever getting that bloodbath i think i actually like enjoyed it more like without and um 
just the the setting being in like a restaurant-ish type like underbelly crime thing was neat and uh yeah just the way the whole thing kind of like unraveled was really like really well done you know uh, at least i thought it was really really well done and uh yeah enjoyed it tremendously yeah uh, what about you? What did you think? I hated it. I, I awesome. wanted to show you guys because I thought it sucked. I was like, why? He doesn't even have a gun. This doesn't make any sense. Where's you know? the big silver scythe? I thought this was no. a sequel to Mandy. There's no boobs. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I, um, I was really taken with it as just a story of um, of loss and of grief. Um, and I think it, it does a good job of not really like playing that hand too soon. Um, it does a good job. Like, I, I remember the comparison that I made and a ton of other people made was, oh, it's like the Nicolas Cage version of John Wick. Man <laughs> gets his animal stolen yeah. must go on a kill rampage to get his pig back um and that's sort of where i thought it was going and like when i think about this movie and john wick uh they couldn't be more different and and not just in like the obvious ways but even in the structure of that grief john wick shows you the wife die right off the bat mm-hmm. shows you him mourning right off the bat shows you what the dog means right off that all this different stuff it's like all of that stuff is backloaded in pig where you're kind of not understanding anything about this character outside of he's you know a truffle hunter or whatever you want to call it (laughs) a truffle gatherer um (laughs) and this is his truffle pig that helps him and everything and like um I think as the narrative progresses and they start filling in the gaps of um, they start filling in the gaps of his backstory it sort of reframes what you see in the beginning of the movie sort of makes you understand that you know these choices that he's made of where he is and where he's wound up are kind of made almost um, like under duress, like a, like a putting himself in a state of kind of perpetual mourning, you know? Um, and I, as somebody that I don't really process grief and pain very well, I'm not, I'm not great at it. I'm, I'm actually very bad at it. I don't know um, anybody that is really good at it without being somewhat, you know, dissociated, you know? Yeah. But I think, like, that's kind of the trick in a lot of ways. Like, I, I think some people are able to accept. And that's that's the part that I can't, I get caught on. And that's where sort of I feel connected to this character because I don't think he's he's just rejected everything 
because he's like refusing to accept it you know he's trying not to and i feel that you know like i i understand that feeling innately so you know and that ties to a bunch of different things not to mention like pets that i've had and stuff so like i think the the amount to which this movie ultimately kind of like shook me a little um i was surprised by i wasn't expecting to go into a nicholas cage movie and be like oh wow you know like feel (laughs) things i was expecting just to be like how does this guy get work it is it's it is really intelligently built and like the whole kind of process of just like taking you on this journey without really giving you too many real like action beats or anything just like Mm -hmm. sort of leaves you hanging on just like why the fuck does this guy love this pig so much like this must be like the greatest truffle pig ever like that truffle that that kid smelled at the beginning must have been just like an amazing impossible to find truffle and this dude has just got like a talent and um you know yeah i don't even i don't even know like why does why does he have the pig i i never actually like picked that part up it was just like he got something with his wife or something before she died is that it i don't know that it's like inherently tied to that um i i think it might have been i think it might have been like some form of companionship i think it might have been something where he figured he was gonna go try to get truffles like that's what he was gonna do for work so he got an animal to help him do that but ultimately he doesn't need it um so it really just becomes more of like a pet you know like i i I think it might have probably i think it probably started as an investment for work um but quickly transformed you know into like this is just a pet you know and like it being for this purpose is kind of uh you know almost like a cover or something you know what i mean yeah yeah (sighs) Yeah, I only wonder because, like, you know, he seems like such a intelligent or like well-informed dude when it comes to a lot of this stuff. And you know, he's a chef, and um, man, the fucking the reverence for the service industry in this movie is really nice, and the kind of like display of like the spectrum of attitudes in the service industry is like amazing because like I know somebody like Nick Cage who is just like fucking a pure like chef who just like does really great work is super well informed has like unreal ethic inspires that ethic in other people but also just like as he's just dismantling that dude that's running that restaurant casually but like that's you know that's my buddy fucking that's my buddy juicy like the dude is just very uh just super 
highly respected, highly revered, and like that was communicated, I think, really well um, in this movie. Uh, yeah, so you be- have an interesting kind of look at this movie because, like, I've never done like I would never call any of the things that I did like service industry like you have extensive kind of history in restaurants and stuff so it must have a different feeling for you yeah like it yeah. Uh, that that fucking underground fighting ring like is that right I, I mean I I don't know I can't talk about it um oh, it's like the first rule but uh <laughs> confirmation guys confirmation <laughs> But, you know, just like seeing that bit as kind of the, you know, the added flavor of what feels like an extreme or like surreality was like super interesting. Cause like, yeah, at first I didn't know sort of really what was happening. I figured it was just like, a, you know, these restaurant people just get to beat on homeless people for money for like how can these guys get money or whatever. But with him, um, with that whole scene, like just the the dude in the vest getting all excited when he sees him and throwing all of his money in. um, Mm -hmm. I just like like, I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be, like, a busboy that I'm sure that dude probably, like, dug into one night. And, like, now he's just, like, taking his chance to, like, beat the shit out of him for, like, humiliating him or whatever. It was just, like, when I saw yeah. that, like, him in the best, I was like, oh, my God. I've seen so many, like, I don't know, wounded looks that would yield that kind of grin if they were ever given the opportunity to just like punch the fucking restaurant people that had like shamed them in that way but um, right. yeah just like I guess not about the restaurant industry but his handling in the industry and like his attitude on cooking is like a really was a really nice kind of like backdrop to all of the weird resp- restaurant espionage Respionage, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just it resonated in a in an interesting way. It made me like not miss serving, but just like appreciate it a little bit more, or just mm-hmm. for a second, I guess. Because um, yeah. it's still you know a shit industry that is just terribly terribly built. But, you know, you do get these, like, chefs that are, or these people that are just, like, meaningful and, like, loom large kind of, like, in influence or whatever. And just, like, the the reverence that he had with, like, the people around him. And, uh, yeah, just, like, seeing that on film, like, I'm, I've experienced that in the in the industry before, not very often, but you know, it's it was captured well, you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's so fucking nice. What a fucking like nice. Well, I guess not a nice movie, but like 
Yeah, I don't know. Just like his level of acceptance at the end is just zen about fucking everything mm-hmm. by the end of it anyway. Um, was just like super interesting, you know, because I, like I kept expecting like a bloodbath. Like he gets beat up, makes his money or whatever. And I'm like, okay, okay, any minute now, like he's going to start, like he's a huge dude, like he's going to start throwing people around or something. And yeah. it just like never happened. Doesn't and, happen now. And it's almost like that, that, you know, that beat down in the beginning or semi halfway beginning um, is like that thing to sate that urge, you know, it's like, all right, everybody's expecting the revenge movie. And everybody's expecting some blood. So we're just going to show you some blood and just have you, you know, chew on that for a minute. And then by the end, uh, you're just like, oh, I guess, you know, like none of that matters, you know? And, uh, you know, they built the villain up really well. And I was like, this guy's going to get it. Like, this is it. This is the bloodbath. Like he's gonna, the son's gonna take over his father's restaurant and be the next kingpin and all this other stuff. And it's just like, mm-hmm. nope. We're just gonna make him dinner. And like even yeah. that, he almost doesn't eat. But like, yeah, yeah. Just I really appreciated the the reverence, I guess, for food and for its power of bringing people together. You know. Yeah, like breaking bread with your enemy, you know, like, yeah, that's, but it was interesting. I read a couple of like interviews with the director and everything. And it was, it was interesting the way that he talked about it, because he's like, this is essentially the like legendary gunslinger comes into town to like set things straight. But like Robin Feld's Nicolas Cage's character isn't a, you know, a gunslinger, like he doesn't have like a superpower like that but he does have a superpower like his ability to cook so it's like in the final fight that's what he uses is his ability <laughs> to cook and his that ability to like serve a meal to somebody that has a visceral emotional uh power imbued in it uh ultimately like turns the tide and allows him to get almost close to like some type of a win um but the way that this movie does a lot of like zigging when you expect it to zag and stuff and it kind of keeps you on your toes um so that's like a third act twist and i don't want to talk about it just yet but um the third act twist is fucking horrible um but we'll get there um horrible like it's it's like great everything in the movie is great but it's just a horrible revelation um i want to talk about that scene though you brought up you alluded to a little while ago him dismantling that guy that owns like that super hip trendy restaurant (laughs) yeah um that might be like some of nicholas cage's best work like he fucking (laughs) nails that scene yeah, he he's got a he's got a good energy throughout this whole movie. Yeah. It's just like 
only only Nick Cage can have that quiet calm mm -hmm. because it's Nick Cage, and you're like, all right, any yeah. second now, he's yeah. gonna. I don't know, take his shoe off and throw it at somebody or something. And yeah. It's just like, I don't know. I don't really know anybody else that you can really get that energy off of just sitting there. I think the, the only other person that I can think of is um, like Billy Bob Thornton has that. Nicholson. <laughs> Nicholson. Yeah, Nicholson could do it. Um, but Billy Bob Thornton. Like if you've ever seen him in um like the Fargo television series. He yeah, uh, I, I've uh, seen him in some other stuff. He's he's good. Yeah, he has a great ability to just kind of very casually kind of probe into like who you are and make you feel her like horrendously self conscious, you know. Um <laughs> Because, you know, in particular, like, I think that's why it's making me think of his character from Fargo is the same reason that, like, like Robin and his character from Fargo have, like, uh, that same ability where they kind of focus in on something about you that is not true, you know, and start picking at it. And... Mm -hmm. uh, that's what makes that scene so amazing is like this dude has this dude that owns the super hip trendy restaurant has only become this thing based on uh, popular demand as opposed to innate interest. Um, and I thought that that was a really interesting uh, that was a really interesting scene because I think often about people and how they will make compromises about themselves and uh, will do things. It's easy to wind up doing things in the world, in this society based on money, you know, um, because we all need it in order to survive. Um, but you also need a certain level of like, you know, spiritual feed, you know? And I think that this guy, you know, he isn't getting that and he's sort of like, oh, I'm making money, so I'm happy. And that's like a really flimsy fucking place to find yourself. And it's, it's interesting too, because it, you know, it, this is, entire restaurant endeavor that this guy is like taking on is something that feels like it's been workshopped and has been like painstakingly you know critiqued and adjusted to make sure that it's like perfectly suitable for everything that everybody else wants and it's like if you just came out of the gate like Nicolas Cage knows this guy knows that he wanted to open a pub and it's like if you just came out of the gate swinging doing something that you loved maybe that enthusiasm would catch and you'd be just as successful doing that while also being 10, 20, 30, 100 times happier and more fulfilled as a person. Just why like watching that guy get shattered in that scene is so gratifying because you know that 
somewhere deep down inside he knows that this isn't true that none of this is real and you know robin's ability to illuminate that for that guy and as painful as it might be it's like also him saving him you know like making him realize like i made a wrong turn at albuquerque you know what i mean like i gotta i gotta do something for me you know not for other people he he remembered his like signature signature dish and like as the dude's just like smiling as like tears are like starting to well up he just fucking like says it and like downs his whole fucking glass of wine it's just like yes dude yes might be my favorite scene in the movie it's I the mean, uh, it's the Dark Knight interrogation room scene <laughs> <laughs> right there. <laughs> the whole movie is pivoting on that one conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely one of the best. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably the best scene in the movie, actually. Because you have, like, the kid that he's with freaking out who's just like, man, you know, I got to pull a lot of strings to get us in here, like, trying to embarrass me. Like, I'm trying to be polite. Mm-hmm. He just shows up and he's just like, your life is a lie. Get out while you still can. <laughs> he's just like, uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Cool, cool. I like, too, the, the waitress that goes on the big spiel of, like, presenting the meal and everything and then he just winds up like picking part of it up with his fingers just stuffs it in his mouth and then is like i want to speak to the chef so <laughs> dirty. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah it's so good he's so good this it's amazing too because i feel like nicholas cage is this guy that um i feel nothing about like even people say like oh yeah but like you got to admit like snake eyes is pretty great you know or like you know uh, vampire's kiss is out of it's fucking insane and like yeah ghost rider spirit of vengeance unreal well well, it's like ghost rider times like a hundred and he's 20 years younger it's crazy and like we should do a vampire's kiss episode but everybody's talked about it's like the room but like nicholas cage is in the room and uh is that the one where he does the a b c d yeah yeah i don't know if i want to watch that he looks in that movie he's like he thinks he gets bit all the memes exactly like every nick cage movie you've ever seen is from vampire's kiss and like It's ridiculous, but like it's the perfect context for how to approach Nick Cage in all of his movies because it's like, okay, this guy doesn't care how hard he leans in whatever direction, like he's just going there. And like the capacity to be able to do something like Vampire's Kiss or like Moonstruck. And then, like, oscillate to fucking face off, and uh, I don't know, yeah, Snake Eyes or fucking God of Seconds, Con Air. Like, he's not necessarily doing stuff very differently, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. I don't have very much reverence for Nick Cage, but I fucking love Nick Cage, you know. It's, like, I, it's a weird thing. 
I like really they, don't like they Nick get Cage. Playing this, you know. Yeah, I really don't like him. I um, don't it's like funny him? because like I don't like him. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I just think he's like a, he's like a poor man's Pacino. It's like Pacino <laughs> at least I can if buy in a park. Al Pacino was four feet taller, maybe, but. Um, no, but I mean, like that's the thing. Like, like just in terms of like, like Pacino has, I think, a bigger presence. I think he has a better ability to like portray complex emotion, and like all these different things. And like, I think I just am constantly underestimating Nicolas Cage based on choices. Like Nicolas, like it's not to say that Pacino hasn't made bad choices because he was in Jack and Jill uh that Adam Sandler movie um, oh there I mean a lot of his early career is pretty weird too pretty goofy yeah but at least interesting you know it's not like sell out shit yet um yeah but like Nicolas Cage I just feel like he says yes to everything and that scattershot approach lands him <laughs> in a gem like pig and in like the same year, Willie's Wonderland, which is a knockoff Five Nights at Freddy's movie yeah. where Nicolas Cage fights a bunch of animatronic monsters. And I'm like, I wish that this dude would be more selective. Like, I just don't <laughs> want him to say yes to everything because it's, yeah. it's so it, it's so painful to watch because you see a performance like Pig and you're like, wow, this guy could be like a thespian. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he chooses not to be. Like I mean, he chooses I'm... to do things based on money, paycheck, whatever. Like I don't I don't feel like his heart is in something like Willie's Wonderland. Well, I, I think I don't know. I don't want to talk out of my ass, but I think he has like some training, like formal training, like acting and stuff like that. Oh sure. And if he's you know just taking all that and like throwing it out. As an artist, I, I support it, you know? Uh, and like, I can, yeah, I mean, I there are there are movies that I wish, you know, he wasn't in, that just weren't ever made. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's just, he's such a weird fucking dude. Yeah, I, um, you know, I, I, I just, genuinely I tend to dislike him that being said there are movies that I enjoy that he is in um so pig makes the list um I always thought eight millimeter was like a like spiritual sequel to something like seven um you know like has that same kind of grimy super uncomfortable exploitative sort of 90s era kind of grunge to it um yeah so there are movies that i enjoy him in but i i think it's a problem of like consistency with me you know i just i just wish that he would kind of tighten his focus up it's it's the matthew mcconaughey you know <laughs> matthew mcconaughey is a guy that you early on in his career you're like oh yeah he's charismatic you know he's charming he's a good looking leading man all of these different things but it's like he was just like yes 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 next one next one next one and like 
he fucking destroyed his career. And McConaughey had to actively, like, at a certain point, he started just getting, like, uh, he started just getting romantic comedy scripts over and over and over again. And he was like, this isn't good. Like, this is really bad because I'm typecast. Like, that's what's happened. And he had to start saying no. And his story is like, I started saying no, and my agents were all mad at me because they're not making any money if I'm not making any money. So he was, but he stuck to his guns. He's like, I'm just going to say no. And, you know, his wife was like, eventually they're going to stop sending you scripts. That's what's going to happen because you, you won't, you won't take any of them. And he said that there actually was one year that he didn't get a single script. Nobody sent him anything. And he was like, holy fuck. Like, did I screw this up? And then all of a sudden it was like Martin Scorsese wanted to use him in The Wolf of Wall Street. And this happened and that happened. And like Matthew McConaughey has completely rehabilitated his career. And I would like to see a path forward with Nicolas Cage and that. But I just don't, I don't believe that he has the ability to say no. I just don't. I, I would be fascinated to find out how many movies Nicolas Cage has turned down and not by way of scheduling conflicts. Like I mean, if he had last, nothing to do, did he say no? You know in the last like three years I've seen like at least fucking seven movies that he has been in. You know, and like they are ranging everywhere from like weird B-movie action movies to like art house psychedelic movies that are that feel independent, like independent horror movies that feel like crowdfunded or something, like and then you know, not big budget, but you know, formal art house movies like Pig and Ghost yeah. Rider, and it's just like I mean Ghost Rider can I guess, but the dude is just constantly Constantly Did you call Ghost Rider uh, an art house movie. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just saying in the past couple of years, but I think I didn't think it's range. But um, you know, he's like working. Like the dude has always just been working. And uh Yeah. Yeah, you know, I can I can if nothing else, like respect that ethic because like you know, to go from Mandy to this even would have been like nice if it was just those two but like even though i'm probably never gonna watch any of the other movies he's made between these movies uh you know i respect that grind you know my like i think it's for me i used to work with this guy right the kid this guy yeah yeah Whoa. he he uh he worked at the grocery store while he was uh developing his character for um <laughs> the weatherman um <laughs> so no i <laughs> so many movies i've forgotten about him being in. yeah no so like my i i worked with a guy though at the grocery store and he was lazy as sin smoke breaks left and right all these different things and one day he was talking about how long he had worked at the grocery store and he's like oh 
I've worked here for 20 years. And I looked at him and I was like, you've been here for 20 years. You've worked here for five. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a, that's a, those are two different things, you know? So like when you say Nicolas Cage is constantly working, I'm like, how much of the time do you think he's actually working? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's my oh. question because some of the stuff, it just feels like it's phoned in and it's just pure id and there's not really like intelligent choices being made. It's just him being like, oh, I'm going to be fucking crazy today because I am crazy, you know, like, I, perfect, you know, yeah. nailed it. And well, that's I feel like, like that's a lot of what these people are looking for. Like a lot of these like small things, if you're like approaching Nick Cage, because you know that he's like a yes man or something, I feel like they're just going to be like, all right, Nick, do your crazy thing. We all want to see it. It's just like, all right, fine. Like, and then we'll phone it in, you know. But... it's funny because like I was reading the interview with the director and they were like it's pretty amazing that you got to have Nicolas Cage in your first feature film and he was like yeah we're lucky to have him and I'm like yes in this case you're absolutely lucky to have him but also it's not that amazing to have him in your first feature <laughs> film he's in everyone's first feature film like <laughs> every single director that's coming up if they're like shopping a script they're just like do you think Nicolas Cage would say yes to this? And it's like, of course, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, but yes, Nicolas Cage is in your movie. As long as he's not doing something else, he's in it. You know, yeah. he would join your movie with a script like unseen, you know, and and, and that's yeah. where I kind of, that's where he loses me. I want him to be more conscientious about his choices. And I, yeah. I, I that's my, that's my major complaint about it. That being said, this was like a revelation. This was fucking great. He played that character to the nines and he played far against type. This is the same type of performance that you get out of Samuel L. Jackson when he plays Mr. Glass, you know, or in the same movie, Bruce Willis, when he plays David Dunn. This is so far off the norm of what this guy does. And it's so fucking refreshing to see him play that. And I want more, you know? Like, I yeah. want more variety. It's like, you almost need to get all that craziness to get here. Or, like, maybe he needs to do all that craziness to, like, be able to make space for the serious stuff. I just feel we're... like you can get all of that craziness off your chest in a horrible TMZ videos. <laughs> you don't have to commit it to fucking movies, you know? Hey, if someone was going to pay me millions of dollars to put out bad comics... I would absolutely do it. And every eight or nine comics would probably be pretty good, but like <laughs> I'd be phoning the law in of most averages. of the time, you know, and like Well that's yeah, because know. you it's... have as much integrity as Nick Cage. You're there the you same type of person. Yeah, it's horrible. God it's just damn. Like production, you know, you just gotta make stuff oh. so that you know you can see what, what you got. There's no Terrible. time. Yeah. Terrible. Just about money with you, isn't it? No fucking spirit behind anything you do, is there? Yeah, I mean that's the ultimate goal. It's really, yeah, sick of being poor, you know. That's true. So my all of my motivations is like I want money, but it's not because I'm sick of being poor. It's because I want ladies. That's the that's the plan. <laughs> that's like, I, well, it's like there's an ulterior motive there. You know? <laughs> Those don't always go hand in hand. And well, sometimes they actually they take half work of it, against each they other. They take half know? of it in their hand when they leave. <laughs> well, hey, 
that's 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 your, my plan. If that's your plan, go my for plan. it. I support you. My plan. Thank you. Thank you. But um, um, yeah, it's just like I don't know. I can I respect the ethic of just yeah. like production and. Uh, you know, he's not my favorite artist by a long shot, but I can sort of like step back and look at just the sheer insanity of the spectrum of his choices and the movies that he is even showing up to for, you know, an hour and a half to be like, well, yeah, there you go. Like, you did it, you know? Like, that's something, you know? I feel like this movie does almost like the impossible, like finding like a role that Nicolas Cage is supposed to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was good in Gone in 60 Seconds. He was good in, you oh, know. Oh, Jesus Christ. Face Off. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. No, there are all these classic leaving Las Vegas. and Yeah. All these fucking, all uh, these fucking movies. <clears throat> Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, shit, uh, yeah, that was his first one. Lord of War. Uh, oh, yeah. Matchstick Man. Matchstick Man. Uh, the Wicker Man remake. <laughs> the Breeze. The ah, Breeze. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mandy, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just don't. Uh, God, you I just, just hate his face. That's why I'm, you know. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not that. Like you know? I actually think he has like an interesting look. It's just his acting. I just can't stand. I don't know. It, this is well, the first also, movie. Like, bad acting, you know, generally speak, or like you know, I feel like it's bad acting in like air quotes that he's doing, yeah. but it's like formally trained bad acting. Yeah, I don't know. It's like he's no, playing I, the cage, playing these parts. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I think like his, um, I, I think when he goes like completely batshit bananas in a movie, I don't, it doesn't ring true to me. It doesn't, it's like, it breaks the illusion. It takes me out of the movie. It lets me know that like, this is a guy that's acting crazy and not a guy that is crazy. And that's where this movie kind of makes that adjustment where I never get the sense that he's acting. I get the sense that this is him. That like and and that question of this dude's sanity is much more potent the way that it's played in this movie where it's like you're genuinely pretty uncomfortable about Robin Feld for I think a majority of this film. And you're like, yeah. I don't know who this fucking guy is, and I don't know what's gonna happen, but like shit's about to go down. And then it doesn't. He just like cooks a guy a meal and it's like, <laughs> I'd really like to have my pig back, you know? And it's like I, I think that that is more interesting than him going out of his way to be like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, I, I think I can't, I just don't get it, you know, I don't get his choices. Um, both in the movies that he picks and then like once he's in those movies his decisions while he's acting in them are fucking strange too and I, I just think it's a, a, a rough 
rough combination of things. Um, oh yeah, I mean it's it's definitely weird. It's like definitely a weird uh, a weird I guess I should yeah. say. Uh, it's funny because he, you know, we we always talk about how badly we would like to see the Nicolas Cage Superman movie. Um, <laughs> well, exactly, was, because that shit would be you. Ah, uh, he he already is an enemy, but yeah, yeah. For those uh, that don't know, uh, Tim Burton, based off of the. I guess it was the success of Batman 1989 and Warner Brothers being halfway forgiving for Batman Returns, um, <laughs> which I still like. I still enjoy Batman Returns, even though it's like questionable. Um, <laughs> but like uh, they wanted him to do uh, Superman Lives and Tim Burton wanted to cast Nicolas Cage as Clark Kent Superman. And you can look it up. There's like a bunch of costume screen test type shit with Nicolas Cage in a Superman costume. And he has super long hair. I'm guessing it was probably taken around the time that they were doing Con Air. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something. Uh, but the thing is, like finding out more about what Superman Lives was going to entail, the story itself actually sounds great. Um, and, you know, Tim Burton is as weird of a choice to direct Superman as Zack Snyder, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe weirder, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But it was like it was going to be Nicolas Cage as Superman. Uh, Christopher Walken, I believe, was going to be Brainiac. Um, yeah, it was going to be fucking insane. Uh, from a script by Kevin Smith, um, you know, who knows the comics pretty well. And it was going to be an interesting kind of blend of things. I, I understand that there was going to be a Michael Keaton Batman cameo at one point in it which is going to be pretty cool, uh, merging those worlds together early. Um, yeah, so it's one of those things where... I don't know where I was going with this, but, you know, we, we wanted to see the Nicolas Cage Superman movie. That's that's pretty much... Yeah. There's another reason like, why I brought that up. Maybe just, like, another sort of uh, instance where you can tolerate Nick Cage in, like, a weird context. Yeah. Because it's like so off brand. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. I mean, I think like I I have I have a strange relationship with him. I think like offhand I just really don't like him. Really don't like his choices, really don't like his decisions. Um but there are movies where it seems like he kind of breaks free of those trappings, you know? Yeah. Like I said, 8mm is one of those ones that I really enjoy. I've always thought was, um, you know, he, he does a good job of playing like a haunted kind of, he's like a PI in it, and he just does a good job of portraying sort of like the horror of 
what he's experiencing in that movie. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He is definitely unique. He's of that class of actor of like, I can't. It's like the rung above has like Pacino in it, you know? And then it's like Nicolas Cage. And like, then right underneath that is like Christian Slater. You know what I mean? Like he's like, (laughs) there's like a gradation there. And that's where like, I don't know. I want to be on the Al Pacino rung as much as possible. Like stick me up there with, you know, De Niro and Pesci and Nicholson and, you know, those kind of like classic, you know, Hollywood faces. And Nicolas Cage feels like somebody that flirts with that and doesn't quite get there, you know? Well, it's like somebody that somehow convinced everybody that he could be like one of those Hollywood faces, but then like when he got the shot, just like didn't. And then somehow people were in, like enough people were into it. They were just like, yeah, all right. All right, let's just try it out. He's saying yes. And it's just like... Empire's Kiss, fucking Moonstruck, and like all these yeah. weird, like early '80s movies where he's kind of like a pretty boy or something, because like he's yeah. like big and you know uniquely handsome. Uh, <laughs> and it's uh, a nice way to put that. You know, is it like <laughs> I, I can appreciate his presence, especially in Hollywood, just being we- as weird as it is. It's like uh, Pee Wee or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he said a while ago and I, (laughs) I'm like a little bit on the fence about it. Um, but (laughs) he said a little while ago that they asked him if he wanted to come back and do a superhero movie, you know, um, what would he do? And he was like, well, He was like, I I already did, you know, I did Ghost Rider and I almost played Superman. He was like, but I I think if I had one other character that I would want to play, I don't think it would be the hero. I would like to be a villain. And I think I could play a really good Joker. And when he said that, (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) damn. Because maybe, yes, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I might actually like that. <laughs> Man. I'd like to see him as like Brainiac or something. Oh, like switch it from like he boots Christopher Walken out of the role and oh, they have Christopher Walken play Superman. Perfect. <laughs> He's only pushing 80, you know. Right. Yeah. de aged and CGI'd up. Yeah. No, it'd be perfect. No, I mean, I, you know, when he's when he mentioned that he wanted to play the Joker, I was like, in terms of looks and stuff, he has it. You yeah, know? I mean, in terms of a lot of stuff, he has it. Like, yeah, he's a big old weirdo who like could also just as likely do a terrible job like <laughs> the opportunity. go either way yeah yeah but you know if you caught him on like that good couple of weeks in between his nine other movies where he's like caught that groove are you taking under or over jared leto where are you going are you taking uh i'll take 
Well, is it Jared Leto from like the 12 post credit scene in Justice League or Jared Leto from Suicide Squad? Just Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah. I'll, t- I'll take him over, Jared Leto. Take him over? Yeah. yeah. Just to see it. Even if it's a even if it's badly done, just because Jared Leto's already done it and has done it bad and also done it okay, but just for sheer spectrum of weirdness's sake, I'd like to see that that joker happen. Yeah. I feel like Jared Leto is gonna be busy doing his Willy Wonka movie anyways. So what? Oh so yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> We got jokes here, folks. You don't even know the punchline to that one. That's coming after the show. You'll see. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Yeah. No, I. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I he's he's fascinating to me. It's almost like the Adam Sandler thing, where yeah, Adam Sandler, I feel like is contractually, yeah, celebrity sort of equal. Yeah, like Adam Sandler is contractually obligated to put out one decent film a decade. And that's <laughs> yeah. kind of like he's sticking but to he's, it, you know? And he's also contractually <laughs> ob- obligated to put out about 50 movies every five years, you know? And yeah. it's just like, okay, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, the most like distasteful, fucking grotesque, you know, racist, sexist, fucking garbage <laughs> comedy movies. And it's just... <laughs> 50 of those in a row and then uncut gems and then 50 more <laughs> horrible fucking movies and then he'll be in something great later and everybody's going to be like man is he going to win an Oscar for this that's the thing that's fucking crazy about uncut gems like people being mad about Adam Sandler not being up for an Oscar and I'm like can you imagine th- just think about that conversation like <laughs> how, uh, why isn't Adam Sandler getting any recognition for his work in the film industry you know like the the indignation and rage towards the academy over adam sandler not being included like that is twilight zone level fucking crazy you know what i mean like, yeah. like what yeah. the hell <sighs> um yeah i mean he did do a great job and it was i mean it was before i saw punch drunk love but um you know, yeah, like he's he's another one that's like capable, but like doesn't nearly always do it. Like, like refuses. Fucking dude, he had everything. Like, you know, side note, you know, if you haven't seen Uncut Gems, go watch Uncut Gems. But like, Adam Sandler had everything about that character, like all nailed. He had it all. He had like. You know how, like, we talked about Jake Gyllenhaal wanted to look like a coyote for Nightcrawler and everything? Like, Adam Sandler is, like, channeling, like, rat energy for this dude. And, like, the way that he's playing him, he's just so fucking, like, slimy and fucking gross. And, like, just watching this dude spiral out of control and just make horrible choices after horrible choices. And, like, it was the it was like a fucking thrill a minute, you know, like for me anyways. Kayla yeah. hated that movie. Kayla hated it. Huh. Yeah. If I remember correctly. I'm probably misquoting her. And she's gonna be like, I liked it, but I'm pretty sure she said she was like, it was so fucking boring. I didn't understand why anybody was doing the things that they were doing. He's an idiot. 
And I'm like, that's the whole movie. That's the entire point. It's like, yeah, dude, you're, you're not supposed going, to understand this guy. Just yeah. stop, dude. Yeah, for God's <laughs> sake. Yeah, no. The, the Sadfi the brothers are fucking... Yeah. yeah, the Sadfi brothers are fucking nasty filmmakers. Yeah, they're um, awesome. Yeah. Really awesome. Sadfi or Safdi? I can't Sadfi? Safdi? I think it's Safdi. I don't know. Safdi, okay. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. We should do an Uncut Gems episode, too. We'll make sure Kayla has to watch it again. Uh, <laughs> All right. I um, mean, uh... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like Adam Sandler probably has, well, yeah, well, I don't know. But yeah, they probably have this. Nick Cage and Adam Sandler probably have about the same amount of good movies under their belt, or like watchable movies. Like truly watchable. Like like Nicolas Cage, I think has more passable movies, where you're not yeah. like like totally like I am fucking out, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I am making dinner while this is on. Yeah, like, you know, Nicolas Cage has, like, those, like, Lord of War uh, was, you know, one of those passable movies. It's like, all right, yeah, I'll watch it. Um, he has a lot of the, that that stuff in his filmography. A bunch of shit. And then a couple of, like, really great ones, you know. Um, is that a bar... You have a dog? What Jeez. was that? Oh. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I... Uh, I guess I'm also giving Adam Sandler, like, his early works as watchable movies being, yeah. like, Happy Gilmore, Adam Sandler, and Little Nicky. Yeah, yeah. I think Happy Gilmore is uh, probably my favorite from, like, the early days. Of his yeah. stuff, um, yeah. That's, I mean, that's probably the best done one. You know, yeah. like, the, like it feels like an actual story. Yeah, and like there's a lot of like heart and character in there, and uh, yeah, it's not. It, it, the other stuff kind of feels like a vessel in like the yeah. other two movies, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, really good. We should do a little Nikki episode, but you can do that, yeah. <laughs> episode six hundred and sixty-six. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it as soon as we're <laughs> done with the rest of Nick Cage's filmography. Oh fuck no! <laughs> we're working backwards from now. <laughs> the next four, five hundred, you know, fifty episodes. Uh you're gonna have to find a new, a new, uh, a, <laughs> a new, new host, host here. here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm out. Welcome Taking everybody. I'm Randy. <laughs> yeah. While we work through Nicolas Cage's filmography, I'm taking a little sabbatical. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I mean, <clears throat> one of the things that's fascinating to me about this movie too is that it's like. Nicolas Cage is like the big name, but like I didn't know uh, Adam Arkin at all. Uh, he's like the villain in it. I didn't know him. I know Alex Wolf. Um, I like Alex Wolf quite a bit. Um, but there's really nobody else in this movie like that that's super recognizable to me. Um, I also guess they shot this movie in 20 days. 
which is kind of amazing. Um, yeah, for it to have turned out as well as it did, that's that's pretty shocking. Well, I mean, uh, I imagine it comes from a, a rigid screenplay. Yeah. Like script or something, you know? Yeah, and they said Nicolas Cage was, like, super prepared, like, knew everything he was going to do, you know, as soon as they got there, like, he had it all down, um, which is great, you know, like, huge sign of professionalism and willing to collaborate, but also, like, coming in with, like, a like a plan, like an actual yeah. plan that he's trying Ideas. to execute, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like a fascinating movie that really kind of flies in the face of sort of what you're expecting it to be. And I think what people, like, I imagine that there's a lot of people who are going to be like, I don't even fucking get it. I feel like it's going to be, there's going to be a sizable amount of the audience that's kind of like rejecting it. Yeah, but, well, that's that's people that I mean, my, that's people that hold on to that initial reaction of like, I want my blood back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that, I was promised an action movie. He fell over in the trailer. This is supposed to be an action movie. It's just like, well, is it? Yeah, I mean, I think his. Um, I really don't have like. Enough good things to say about it. It's it's just a nice kind of sensitive, um, you know, off the beaten path kind of movie. Very like somehow manages to still be sort of almost. Um, Like, I want to say almost like otherworldly. I know that that's like too big of a word for it, but like, you know, like John Wick, like that's what I always compare it to is it's like this like unactiony John Wick where you ha are introduced to the world of hitmen and the underworld of hitmen and how like that society works and everything. And this is like the same structure of like, here's the inciting incident. Here's this character going to find out who did the thing. And here's the seedy restaurant underworld that, like, you know, you're you're being shown and everything, and it's being revealed through the plot. But it's just so, like, different, even with those comparisons. It's like, this is just so much more um, just quiet, you know? It's just a quiet movie. And it's kind of nice because, and this is, this has been my argument for a long time, his people have been worried that like superhero movies were going to squash uh, other types of cinema. And my argument has always been, this is going to make other types of cinema weirder. So you can't, you don't have the effects, you know, you don't have the budget, you don't have the gigantic ensemble cast to compete with a superhero movie. So the only thing you have left is weirdness and like genuine artistic expression and like trying to say something. So like <clears throat> movies like The Green Knight, what's that? Yeah, artistry, you know, yeah. like genuine. Yeah. yeah, so movies like The Green Knight, movies like Pig, like 
even to an extent in the superhero genre like that's why joker was more interesting is because yeah we don't have any money behind this this is just us trying to tell a pretty tight story about the way that society treats you know loners you know um it's like it big budget gigantic fucking bombastic superhero fair is creating a niche of movies that i think in any other time we wouldn't see greenlit you know like I, I don't think that these movies would be able to exist without this massive fucking you know machine of big budget hollywood superhero blockbusters you know um at least it wouldn't exist in the same uh, spectrum of exposure i guess you know yeah yeah because you know there's always like independent cinema but it's it's nice to see a movie like this kind of break through a little bit at least so it seems like i you know saw a trailer for this somewhere you know casually but, uh, my my kind of feeling is that I think if you go back even like a decade and you look at what independent cinema was, I think the scripts were much more workshopped. Like I think that they were much more like <clears throat> they had to be. They had to be smart they, about the decisions they were making. You know. Sure, and and I think they had to be more. I think they had to be less strange because I think the conventional wisdom was we're going to put $50 million into this. We got to make at least a hundred million dollars for us to say that we like are starting to make a profit. So that means we got to appeal to as many people as possible. And I feel like now we're in an era where it's like, we would rather make like we can take, a movie and we can make it for $50,000, you know, or even less, you know, and then we don't have to worry about how much, like you're going to, you're going to make back at least what you put in, maybe more. And like, that's allowing them to green light things that I think are like just fucking weird like way weirder than what we've gotten in the past and and that's why like i'm kind of i'm kind of grateful for the shift you know where it you know and like i think horror movies were probably the first ones that sort of started cracking it like i think about um that for me the the one that really stood out was the boatloads of cash that they pulled in off of that first saw movie which was another one that was like we shot it in 20 days. We shot it in one location. We shot it with four actors, you know, like it's pretty, it's a pretty amazing achievement when, you know, you do that for super minimal money and you make it a big event come Halloween and you pull in millions and millions and millions of dollars off of it. It's like, I think the adjustment of not like now seeing that trickle out into like the independent space, you know, where I just feel like, I just feel like it's getting weirder and I, I, I enjoy it. You know, every time I see 
another trailer for something that I'm like, that's just bizarre. It's like you automatically are selling tickets. I want to see something different. I want to see something that's not like homogenized, you know? Yeah. Um, well, except for uh, what's that? What was that other Nicolas Cage movie that I sent you the trailer for? Uh, oh weird ch- God. Chinese one. <laughs> yeah, he has fucking explosives <laughs> on his balls. <laughs> This yeah. is exactly what I'm talking about, man. <laughs> this is the this is what I'm talking about, man. This is what I'm saying. Shit. Oh god damn it. Do you imagine no, but... he's like, I just got done uh making this great character <laughs> drama about uh loss and grief. It's a very beautiful movie. And, you know, I really hope everybody loves it. And they're like, that's amazing. What are you doing next? And he's like, the next movie I'm working on, I have explosives strapped to my balls. I have to drive a car really fast. Um, and that's pretty much it. You know, <laughs> like, it's, it's like, be awesome. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not, though. Oh, God. Oh, See, man. not all, look, Nicolas Cage is part of the problem and then people like you are the other <laughs> part of the problem like stop what it enabling people like me Ron. i mean what black exactly? people. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest vocal proponent of Nick Cage is black people so. yeah they fucking love him it's like the germans in hasselhoff i don't know what it is the weirdest weirdest stereotype ever <laughs> That's actually who Quentin Tarantino wants to be. He just wants to be Nick Cage. He's got the hairline. He's got that. He's got that <laughs> on fleek, man. It's perfect. It's, uh, Nicholas well, Cage cosplay going well. Yeah, yeah. right. No, no, what but, is the uh, fucking name of that fucking movie? What is it? Uh, I have uh, no idea. Kingdom something of something. I don't know. Kingdom but, of the bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's like, you know, I probably won't watch that movie, but, you know. Uh, We're going to have to do an episode on it. Yeah, I mean, it's a profound counterstatement, you know, or counterpoint. It's just like, whoa. Prisoners of the Ghost Land um, is the name of it. Prisoners of the Ghost Land. I, so, I just I don't know. We man. could we could space it out. We could make it not for a while. <laughs> you know. He's he's uh he's a unique voice in cinema, <laughs> to say the least. I don't really know what to do with him. I really don't. No, I mean me neither, to be <sighs> honest. But I I feel like that's why I like him though. Like I have the same feelings that you do about him, but I'm just like, yeah, but that that's why I like him, because he's just like this weird, bad pick for almost everything that he does. And like in Hollywood, when everyone's <laughs> trying so hard to do a good job all the time, it's kind of strangely refreshing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean he's yeah, I don't know. I, I I wish I could like him. I wish I could be like, but oh, fuck, yeah. The point is actually <clears throat> not to like him. Because, like... Is it? Is that what he's so. after? <laughs> I think so. Because, like, I, I don't necessarily, like, get hype 
on Nick Cage, you know, like if a movie comes out and he's in it, I'm not like, I'm seeing that. Like, it's generally like if the movie looks good and he's in it, I'd be like, oh, cool. Like Mandy, you know, was like a weird Nick Cage pick at the time. And I was like, this should be awesome. And like, same way, like he, it's like this weird lazy chameleon that just like, works you know when he wants to and like when he's like a dried up old salamander you know and it's fucking he's like able to like somewhat shift between like parts but like it doesn't really feel like he's doing that much work even for like something like Uh, you know it's just him not really emoting or just like dolling out the perfect looks and like that definitely takes effort but like I also was seeing a lot of this movie as just like Nick Cage Nick Caging and or like not Nick Caging or something and just like his unacting is his acting you know I don't know he's a weird it's a weird presence you know that I think you can only get from also being kind of bad you know it's <laughs> so complicated I, I can't understand it myself yeah there was a uh i guess uh i guess they're not gonna do this but for a little while he was gonna play joe exotic the uh tiger king dude which is kind of messing with my head a little bit uh wait they're not gonna what i lost you there for a second it's okay um they apparently were gonna do like a joe exotic miniseries which would have been remember tiger king that guy yeah nicholas cage was gonna play tiger king uh i guess they're not gonna do it now but like that's the type of shit that i'm talking about man i'm like i don't (laughs) i can't get a read on you dude like i don't understand what you're doing i don't understand Anybody in their right mind would be like, I'm going to avoid that. I'm going to avoid that. I might get typecast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only going to be crazy a crazy guy. Yeah. I'm only going to wind up in movies where I play a weirdo that like totally fucks tigers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, all right. I think we should wrap it up. Final thoughts. We'll say pig is maybe the best movie of 2021 yeah yeah i mean we're about yeah we're a little more than halfway through and i can't necessarily recall what other movies have come out this year so i'll give it to it i mean it isn't suicide hasn't been much yeah the suicide squad Zack snyder's justice league we had black widow we had godzilla versus kong we had uh, yeah. Mortal Kombat, uh, uh, Space Jam 2, <laughs> a, new, a new legacy. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, what the fuck else has there been that is even close to being this fucking good, you know? This movie's just good. Nothing. This is a breath of fresh air. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, no, it's been... Been kind of a slog. Like I feel like 
COVID he, came to save us from the movies. <laughs> yeah. COVID was like, we're gonna, we're gonna try to like, you know, we're gonna try to salvage these so that when movie theaters open back up, you're just gonna be happy to be out. And even though these movies suck, it will be fine. And HBO Max was like, hold on, we're gonna let you watch them at home. And we're like, oh yay! Oh fuck! You know. No, <laughs> I gotta throw out another TV. HBO Max just played another movie. Yeah. 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 This this TV's dirty now. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, next week. Um, I've been trying to work this out. I've been trying to figure out how this is gonna work, but we're we're all gonna be on a WT fodder retreat is what I'm calling it. And we're going to be doing a uh, Twilight uh, drunk commentary. Uh, so like you guys at home listening will be able to put on Twilight. We'll sync up with each other. So we <laughs> hit play at the same time and you'll be able to listen to us make fun of the movie while you watch it. Um, yeah. So that's what the plan is. Um, I I guess that's next week's episode. I was kind of trying to figure out if that made sense or not, but I will have yeah, the time cool. to like edit that audio and stuff and 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 get that all together. So I think that's next week's episode. And we then, could do another one and then save that for like the following week. That's what I was thinking originally. It was like, oh, we'll do Shang Chi, you know, uh, but. But I kind of feel like we'll just, I think we should do Twilight next week. We'll do Shang-Chi like two weeks out from its release. Um, I think that makes the most sense. So next time you hear us, we're going to be a little sloppy, sloppier than normal. And we're going to watch Twilight together. And it's going to be so much fun. And John's going to be there, guys. That'll be oh, nice. Yeah. It's been a while since Johnny's been on the show. He's thank excited. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And, you know, like, bye and stuff. Bye. Thanks, Steph. Hey. Do you want more WT Fada throughout the week? If so, head on over to Instagram and give us a follow at WTFADA underscore podcast. There, we post updates about episodes as well as news stories. Usually movies, sometimes just odd. Um, yeah, stay connected. I'll show you the uh, I did like 15 pages for this uh... 2001 AD fucking submissions thing that they were doing like a year ago. And I just like sat down and I was like, I'm just going to do like four of these scripts. And they were each, you know, five pages long. And I did them in like a week and I just burned myself out super quick. And they were all fucking trash. But, uh, a lot of the sketches are interesting and kind of fun to look mm. at. No, and, you, didn't, you didn't show me that. Oh, nice. What the fuck are huh? the onion rings? <laughs>
kind of grill is that? <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> He's just been sitting in here for like <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> really hope he comes back. <laughs> Soon. They're those and orange slices. Oh, They're the nice. orange slices that are covered with sugar. It's, uh, oh, nice. That's from Jared Leto's interpretation of Willy Wonka, the orange <laughs> slice grills. Nice. <laughs>